everyone. You're listening to Left on Red, a Go Loud original podcast with me, Julie Haynes. And me, Brenda Dennehy. And a happy new year to you all. I'm sure there are plenty of you out there with sore heads today, promising yourselves never again. And many more promising that this will be the year you stick to your resolutions, be that to give up smoking or take up a hobby or maybe lose weight. So we wanted to hear from someone who really shifted their mindset and stuck to their goals. And we're joined by Carla Fitzgerald, also known as half of Carla, who lost half her body weight in just 14 months. So today we are speaking to Carla and for anyone who relates to Carla's story of disordered eating, please do get help from your doctor or reach out to bodywise.ie or call their helpline for support on 01-210-7906. You're very welcome, Carla. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, ladies. Thank Thank you so much for having me. No worries. And thank you for coming in. So I suppose, first of all, tell us about your life growing up. Oh, well, my life growing up, jeez, I... I think I've been overweight my whole life since as far back as I can remember. I had a really nice childhood. Yeah. I had a lovely childhood. I had, you know, a really good family. I was the youngest of a family of three by 15 years. So yeah. I'm the baby of the family. My dad was considerably older than my mom. Uh, he was 25 years older than my mom. So I had a bit of a different childhood and we had a family business of a bakery in our own home and we delivered cakes everywhere. But, you know, that being surrounded by food as a child, you know, it's there's a lot of temptation, there's a lot of things going on around you. And then at that point, I, I realised I had started to kind of sneak food and hide food um, in my house. I had was a little bit bigger maybe than the other kids in my class. And, you know, you kind of start looking at yourself and then I started to get a bit bigger and a bit bigger and a bit bigger. And then as I got into my teenage years, then I developed bulimia and that was pretty horrendous Uh, and from there then I went into binge eating disorder so I've had quite a myriad of of eating disorders um, throughout my whole life but yeah it's when it started off kind of around the age of five started to notice disordered behaviour to do with food. And like what would you be doing at the age of five six or seven like that? Sneaking food. On your parents? On, On my parents or you know anybody who was watching me you know like going in and getting you know, bars of chocolate and things like that. And, you know, a couple, not just, yeah. you know, kids will always grab a sweet when they think somebody's not noticing. You kind of knew even from the age of five that this I'm having more than yes. that whatever child my age is having here. Exactly. If you think back, though, I'm 37. If you think back to, you know, the early 90s, the late 80s in Ireland, we were surrounded by slimming clubs and, yeah. you know, every mother was on a weight loss, yeah. some yeah. diet or, yeah. you know, and... We were surrounded by the idea of losing weight. Low fat was everywhere. It was always in our, you know, like, so we never had anything in the house that was really, except obviously a load of cakes, but, you know, we never had treats in the house, really. You know, everything was low fat, slimline milk and all that kind of stuff, you know. And I think I just started, I don't know how I started, but I just started reaching for food. Now I understand that when you don't feel great in yourself when there's something happening inside you that you kind of see comfort. It's really natural to see comfort. It's natural to do so. And as a child, you know, maybe like I was very loved, but maybe there wasn't love at some points and I was looking for it and or seeking comfort and I reach for food. It's the most readily available drug. It's the thing that children know that makes them feel good. Mm. It, and that's what I was just saying to you before we started this chat is like, I know me even, I'm bored, I go for food. Yeah. I'm, I'm hungry, I obviously go for food. I'm tired, I go for food. It's like an emotional thing, isn't it? Exactly. 
And then tell us about your teenage years then. So obviously throughout your childhood, you were saying that you were sneaking the food and hiding it on your family members. And what happened in your teenage years then? Uh, we opened a cafe then in the family cafe then in my teenage years um, when I was about 11, 12 and it was closed on a Sunday and um, but maybe somebody was in the bakery that was in the background doing things so I would go down and I'd start eating and I started eating a lot. Mm. It was the first time I wasn't regulated, you know, like, you know, when your mom or dad are like, you know, here's your plate of food. Yeah. All of a sudden I had this kind of smorgasbord available to me that I could just eat from the fridge and and from there then I panicked because I started putting on a lot, of, a lot of weight and I developed bulimia then. And that carried me then through the majority of my secondary school life. And I remember, you know, getting two or three bars of Snickers from the um, vending machine and then eating them and then purging Purging, them. And why were you making yourself sick? Is it because we were being bullied in school over your weight or...? No, I think looking back now, I understand that I wasn't bullied about my weight. In Uh, school? In school, I, you know, you'd have the odd comment, but I had a very decent group of friends. But when you're, when you are slightly bigger and there's so much going on in society around you, especially at that time, do you remember those magazines that have like the circle of shame, you know, or like Monica in the fat suit and friends, you know, and you look like that. And then there's all this kind of connotation between being overweight and being useless or being, Mm. you know, a bit stupid, Lazy. lazy. And you start to internalise all of this. So you start to kind of make your own narrative of you and because you're seeing this and you don't really understand these no. things as a child and you start to kind of go, oh, well, maybe that's that's who I am then. You know, that's that's what I... So I you do. weren't being bullied in school or by your friends, but you were bullying yourself. Bullying myself. You were exactly. telling yourself all this. Constantly, all the time. And now I know, you know, 37-year-old Carla understands mm. that I was reaching for food then to numb out that feeling. So while trying to lose weight or, you know, and I'd been on a diet even like the whole way through my teenage years, you know, I remember going to Weight Watchers with my mom and like really was it Weight Watchers for me or was it for her, you know, like that kind of way. And so you have this like paradox between you that you're trying to do these two things and you just can't cope and it just, it doesn't work. Is that, do you think that and that's where the bulimia came in where you had to have it and then... Yeah. And then did the bulimia consume you? Because I've often heard people like, you know, going, having to purge like several times throughout the day. Did you get to that? I wasn't at that stage, thankfully. Um, Unfortunately, I was in, I found myself in a group of friends and we all had disordered eating. Wow. Every one of us. Uh, One has since passed away. Um, Sorry to hear that. And it was a very difficult, it was a very toxic environment that, you know, we were all kind of feeding into each other a little bit. It's very personal. Mm. Anyone who's had bulimia, anorexia or any kind of eating disorder, it's a very personal, very private thing. There's a lot of shame attached to it. But you kind of find a little bit of common ground with people, whereas you might not be very obvious that yeah. you all have the same, you kind of, if you have it, you know somebody else who has it. Yeah. So. And were you losing weight then whilst you were vomiting? No, I wasn't. Probably maintaining. You, you know, kind of maintaining and putting on a little bit and then maintaining and then putting on a little bit. So you'd make yourself throw up and then would you go back for food again? Yes. And then throw up again and then go back for food again? Yeah, maybe not all in the one day. day okay. So it might be more, you know, that I would get a lot of things. So, you know, I remember when I first got my own car or, you know, you get a bit of money because I was working from very young. So you'd have a little bit of mm. money to yourself and I would spend it on food. And food then 
you know, you would eat it, like I would go home and it probably be five, 6,000 calories and food and then purge that. And then I might not do that for another couple of days. Okay. You and know. You'd get the, probably the high then after with the purging. And then you get the high as you're doing it. As you're doing uh, it. Or even I used to get the high collecting the food. The food and then, yeah. and you'd obviously have to go and have the food, you know, in secret. Yeah. And then, you know, when you woke up in the morning, was your mind just consumed about food? It was like... As, as far back as I can remember, my mind has was consumed by food. And I was diagnosed four years ago with food addiction. And I understand that because if you think of an alcoholic, they're always thinking where they're going to get their next drink from. A drug addict is always thinking where they're going to get their next hit or high or whatever from. For me, it was... If I was, say, I was coming into town now, back, you know, yeah. 10 years ago, if I was coming into town now to meet you guys, I would think of a plan of every place that I could get a hit of food. Mm. Every single place. So I would know that, you know, walking up George Street, I could go here. If I turned left, then I could go, there's a pizza place here. If I go right, then, oh, there's nothing there, but I can get that. You know, and you would, yeah. Yeah. you'd have that constant, you know, here's one hit and the accessibility of food. Yeah. So needing to ensure that you constantly have that supply of something to eat. Because as you were saying, I was bullying myself. And by bullying myself, I I couldn't deal with how horrible my inner narrator was. It was so insistent and omnipresent and never let up. And I was using food then to escape that narrator. I was using it to numb out. I couldn't deal with what was happening, you know, that narrator. So I just kind of, you know, you hear of flight, fright, yeah. freeze. For me, it was flight. So f- to run away. So I literally kind of ran out of my body and the inner traumatised child comes in and they go back for food. That's what they reach for. And when did it ever get to the stage or when did it get to the stage when you were like, I need to get some health care. This is, it's getting very serious here now. I stopped purging with bulimia oh, the first uh, time that I threw up blood. That was the oh. kind of wake up call for me. That was like the, I need to, the, this is something, this cannot be good for you. But I kept binging. And this whole time I'm trying to lose weight. I When I was 18, I lost six and a half stone with Atkins and then ate a slice of bread and, you know, put it all back on again. Right. You know, like, yeah. you know, because it was never fixing the issue. It's It wasn't the food that was the issue. So in your mind back then, you were like, I had a slice of bread there now, so I'm actually falling off the wagon, so I might as well stay off. No, I, lo- I got to my goal weight yeah, okay. at that point. And then if you stop eating keto, you know, and you just oh, kind of yeah. go back to the same way that you always ate, you're going to put it back on again. So, yeah, it's and it's the same if you, no matter what you, what way you choose to lose weight, whether it's, you know, calorie counting, whether it's one of the really famous, you know, slimming plans. Yeah. If you do that and then don't fix all the, your relationship around food, as soon as you reach your goal weight, the habits will start to slip back in again. Yeah. If you don't fix and address those habits. Yeah. So at the at that point then I I was just started binging. That was my my main thing. I just was eating the same those big binges. And is that where the when you weren't purging then is that where all the weight was coming yeah. on? Yeah. So like I would always have been a bit bigger. Yes. So you know what I, I remember like never being able to wear the same things as my friends did and yeah. you know or do you remember all those little shops that we used to have you know where they like they would have like a small and or a one size fits all or yeah. something like that and we'd all go in on a Saturday and they'd all be trying on things and yeah. I'd never be able to fit into anything so I knew I was different in that way so you know you're standing out you know like behind like 
you kind of on the sidelines of life, not wanting to participate because you maybe you can't. And do you think your friends had compassion for you? That like is in feed. They did, yeah. but they were yeah. teenage girls. Yeah, of course. You know, there's only. I think now they would have a lot more compassion, but you know, teenage girls in the early two thousands, they they we weren't aware of the impacts that you know there's comments. no social media there was no exactly. kind of like thankfully yeah. I know I yeah, know yeah. I'm really glad that I never I didn't grow up with social media but I think I remember one one thing for example we used to go into TK yeah. Maxx and we oh, yeah. we used to go in and like we get a load of clothes and we'd like you know the worst things that they had in the shop and we try them on for a laugh and one girl was trying on something a top and she was like oh, I need black trousers to go yeah. with this I was like oh here I have some and she put them on and she came out doing a like a clown dance because they were so big oh, yeah. on her. And I think that was the time that I really realised how much bigger I was yeah. than anybody. And she didn't mean anything I by know. it. But, you know, it yeah. stuck in my head. And what, was that when you were at your biggest then? No, that, that was only about 16. So I was only probably size 14, you know, 16, 14, 16 yeah. at that point. I remember even being nine years old, 10 years old and going over to her friends for Halloween and trying to find something to wear. And her bigger sister had a cheerleading outfit and the yeah. sister was like 19 or something. She's like, try this on. And I couldn't get into it. And at what age did you reach your heaviest? Uh, between the ages of 30 to 32 is when I got to my heaviest. And can we ask what size were you or what weight? I was 323.8 pounds when I started. Okay. Uh, 147 kg or 23 stone and a bit and change when I started. And can I ask what happened in your 20s that I suppose, what were your 20s like that your weight escalated to that? Were you yo-yo dieting in your 20s? Oh, or was I, was, it just I was yo-yo dieting since I was Yeah, child, well, it was a constant throughout your 20s as well. Yeah, there was so, no massive weight loss like the six stone in your... Uh, no, no there wasn't. I, I had a little, you know, you'd have a, a bit of, yeah. you know, a go at something and then you know, fall off the wagon. So and I you'd reward yourself then by losing the five pound and then put on ten pound then the oh, following yeah, yeah. week. Yeah. You know, you know, on your way back from weighing in, you'd, you'd stop the chipper. Like, yeah, yeah. I think we could all relate yeah, to that. I do yeah. that myself. Yeah, you know? and, now, and yeah. now I understand Treat. like, yeah. you know, like you're undoing everything yeah. that you've yeah. done. And, yeah. and I do believe in treating ourselves. I think that's so important and we have to celebrate ourselves but not with food. Not with Let's food. find other ways yeah. to do it. And now I can go out and have a nice meal but in my early 20s then I was piling on the weight so I was going up and up and up and uh, Do you think that by going into all these groups they mention the word diet a lot and diet to me it's like Jesus bad. I can never eat a bag of crisps again I can never bad eat chips word. and then the first thing I go out I want to do is eat all around me because I know I'm starting this diet on Monday morning so all weekend I will yeah. eat my body weight and food because Monday morning is coming I'm dieting yeah. and all I'll have to eat now is lettuce for the rest of my life yeah, and then that's, and then you'll be so restricted that's why I, I cannot stand the term the wagon Yeah, I, I don't think it should be related to food because the wagon was created for talking about people with alcohol during prohibition. If you think about it, we are all human beings, especially women. We have cycles, we have hormones, we have stress, we have children, we have everything. I think of weight loss as a path. And if you think about the end of the path, there is the the thing that you have wanted yeah. is that life of freedom, the life, you know, to fit into the clothes, to not have to think about losing weight. Yeah. And you're walking along that path and you get along any path, you're going to, you know, trip up over a pothole. If you're going somewhere, you don't just lie there. You know, you don't just go, ah, no, I'll just go home. I, I'll turn back. Yeah. You keep, keep going. going. Mm. And there's never a point where you can't keep going. You, yeah. you can always put one foot in front of the other and continue on. It's one day at a time, one moment at a time. And before we carry on with your journey, just a quick question before I forget this. Weighing scales. Yes. 
Do you think they should be banned? No, I don't. Do you, do, would you use them? Like, Not did you anymore. use them on your journey? I did on my journey. And to motivate you, seeing I see three pound gone hair, so I keep going. totally did at the start. So I weighed myself once a week at the start in my actual weight loss journey. And I started to get very emotional and very, mm. uh, get a high or a super low from the scales. Yeah. So I decided to change it and I did it once a day. Every morning I weighed and I started to learn and see it as data. Okay. That this is just a number and it's a number that's indicating something. Yeah. It's indicating that there is a weight loss. But what is the non-scale victory? What are the things that I'm achieving off the scales? And I start to write a list of the things that I wanted to achieve. And when I achieved them, I celebrated myself. Okay. Brilliant. Yeah, that's a good way of looking yeah. at yeah. it. It's data. It's a piece of information. Yeah. 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 It doesn't equate to your value yeah. as a person. And especially as a woman as well. Like, you know, I yeah. think like, especially when we get our periods and stuff, you know, we go up a couple of pounds. Absolutely. And if you were to and jump we on, should. And we should be, yeah, yeah, exactly. But like with me, then I jump on the scales and I see them, I'm, I'm up four pounds. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it, that diet's not working. I'm going to stop yeah. that now. Yeah. And that was going through my head yeah. for the past couple of months, you know. So I did kind of, I kind of hid the scales for a while. Yeah. And I, that's okay. Yeah. I think it, it's really good as well to use your waistline as your guide. So if yeah. you're putting your trousers on, you know, and your trousers are starting to get real tight. Mm. You know, like, okay, maybe I'll just cut back a little bit. Exactly. You know, just like maybe count calories for a week or two, yeah. you know, and yeah. then would be grand again. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I've been doing. Yeah. Like, I go with my clothes now rather yeah. than the scales as much. No, I do like the scales. I like to see the victory and be like, oh, this particular diet is working. So yeah. I'll carry on, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was just an inter- interesting question. So carry on anyway. So, so yeah, the binge eating disorder and I... You know, I was trying to lose weight all the time. You know, I don't think I ever really understood that this disordered eating was resulting in my weight. Mm. You know, I don't, I think I saw them as kind of two separate things. This was very secretive and that being overweight was very obvious. You know, like that was the thing that was there. And I was like, you know, there has to be something wrong with me. What's wrong with me? Why can I not lose weight? So when I figured I have to be celiac. That has to be the reason yeah. that I can't lose weight. That makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. There has to be like, because yeah. I've already tested my thyroid, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. But there, this this has to be it. It's that not your it. fault. It's not what you're Exactly. Eating. You're blaming I'm blaming. Else. I'm looking external yeah. to blame somebody yeah. else. Yeah. And I went to the doctor and I sat down in front of him and I said, I need help. And I just fell apart. Yeah. I just totally fell apart. And that's the point where he diagnosed me then with binge eating disorder. And he said words to me that, planted a seed that would take nearly 10 years to start to grow in my head but he said to me when you fix your head the weight will fall yeah. off and I was like what is this man talking yeah. about it's not the head that's not the problem it's my body it's yeah. my stomach it's yeah. you know all of this that's the problem yeah. and that point he as I said he diagnosed me with binging disorder and referred me then for clinical psychology and I did relationship therapy then and stopped binging. I did a lot of work, you know, and started to learn about my relationship with food and the kind of that high that we were talking about. And as I kept going, I, you know, had a little bit of success with losing weight, but I was still just mm. couldn't lose weight. You know, I met my partner uh, when I was 27 then, and I wasn't at my biggest, but I was, you know, somewhere up there. And then, you know, I, you know, when you're first in love and everything's fine and rosy and you're eating out and getting all the takeaways and everything. And I started to put on weight and then I tried keto and then I had at the time, I was a senior manager for a charity and I was in charge of communications. And 
I had just done this really, really successful campaign um, with like 300 euro budget and I had like, you know, the Lord Mayor there and people from the Department of Health and it was this huge, real big success all over the Irish Times and I was standing in front of people, you know, at an event talking about it and I came off the stage and everyone was like, you should be so proud of yourself. This was amazing. This is going to help so many people and all I could think of, none of this matters because you're fat. None of this matters because of the way you look. You're disgusting. This is gross. Like, look at you standing up there talking about health and physical oh. health and you're you're a joke. I used to stand in front of funding boards and ask for money to help older adults with exercise. And I felt like such a fraud. I was like, they're not going to give me this because like, I'm 23 stone. They're not going to believe that I believe in this. And after that campaign, then I had so much pressure on me to create another campaign that was going to be as successful. But, you know, I kind of threw out all my creative juice at that point and I used to stand in front of funding boards and ask for money to help older adults with exercise and I felt like such a fraud I was like they're not going to give me this because like I'm 23 stone they're not going to believe that I believe in this and after that campaign then I had so much pressure on me to create another campaign that was going to be as successful but you know I kind of threw out all my creative juice at that point and I'd heard about this book called uh, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron and it's connecting yourself to your inner artist. And I was like, well, I'll give this a go and see what happens. And in it, there is a practice that you do called the morning pages where you write freely for three pages. You don't edit yourself. You don't, you know, don't do anything. You don't even read back over it. It doesn't matter if it's an absolute mess. You just keep going. And I started doing that and as we were travelling up and down to work in town when we were, you know, miss out in the traffic and sit down and write these pages. And I started to kind of get a bit almost scared of them. I started to kind of withdraw from them a bit. And one day we were travelling up to Dublin and I felt this smack in my soul, in my whole being. And I realised that I don't know who I am and this voice that's in my head isn't mine. This doesn't belong to me. This belongs to somebody else. And it was by doing those morning pages is the first time in my life I allowed the real me, not the negative narrator, not the one chatting, telling me how crap I was, yeah. the real me to actually come out. The unedited me, mm. not being worried about what anybody else was thinking or saying about me. I just allowed things to free flow. And I was like, I don't know who I am. I know I'm 32. I know I love the man that's beside me. And that's all I know. That's all I know in the world. I have no idea who I am. And then that started a a new journey of self-discovery. Yeah. And I went back to the same GP who went, finally. Yeah. Well, he went, that's that's what I was talking about. That's the head. He called it my... Moment. Yeah. That's he said... Draft with you then, like, yeah. Yeah. He said, that's the... that's your, You just had your Damascus moment or your come to Jesus moment where you realise where the... And it literally felt like my energy and my soul had been shifted. Yeah. Like an intervention came. Yeah. Do you think that the event where the Department of Health, do you think that was probably a rock bottom? Do you think that something? It was getting that? towards that. Yeah. 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 That was that was really where my negative narrator was so yeah. loud. Like I was, you know, I remember standing there taking um, press shots and I have those photos now and I use them uh, as, you know, before and afters, which I can talk about as well yeah. and why I use before and afters. But I remember seeing that and just going, like, what am I doing? Like, what is it? And I just couldn't understand why I still couldn't fix yeah. this. And I started back then with a different type of therapy. So I started doing a thing called sensory motor psychotherapy. And it's where your body your body remembers what your mind has blocked out and started to heal trauma that I'd experienced as a child. And 
you know, when I mention trauma, I don't talk about my, my trauma because it's, it's my business mm. and nobody else's. But what I'll say to people is a lot of people think that trauma is, it has to be sexual abuse, it has to be physical abuse. You know, I, people say, you know, oh, she's yeah. obviously sexually abused. And I'll, not, I'll never say yes or no. But trauma also doesn't have to be something as dramatic as yes, that. It can yeah, be, totally. you know, a couple of comments that people make. It can be a situation that you were in once that stayed lasted, with stayed yeah. with you. Or it could be a multitude of many things that have happened. Yeah. So I, I don't want anyone to ever discount their experience because yeah. it's not, you know, dramatised like they see on TV. Yeah. And I worked through that then and I said, OK, I'm, I'm ready. I'm finally ready to lose weight. And I'd seen my sister over the 18 months leading up to that point, she'd lost six and a half stone. And she did it with a program called Body Slims. And it's run by this guy called Jared Morin. He's a peak performance coach and they run in 10 week blocks. And each week you watch a seminar and you get a calorie allowance. You walk for one hour a day and uh, you watch the seminar. That's that's it. That's all you do. There's no there's no add-ons and no extra. It's really, really simple. It's not easy but it's simple. And I saw her doing this. And before I had this, this moment, I was like, she's in a cult. Yeah. This yeah. Is, yeah. Like this, yeah. Is, this is exactly the same as all those other ones that we know, you know, all, all those famous ones and that I've done a thousand times yeah. before and, you know, lasted two or three weeks. And then I think I know. could be a consultant at this stage. I've oh, been yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Every, yeah. The amount of them that yeah. like I've done, like I was like, I could teach this, I you know. Can, yeah. And I get so embarrassed. I go to different venues because I'm like, here, your one be like, here, she's back again. Yeah. So I go to all these different venues now, like I'm chaotic. But go on, oh my God. This, I watched her yeah. do this and I couldn't get out of my own way because obviously she she had seen somebody else do it. She saw somebody who was just miraculously changed and she was literally shrinking in front of my eyes in a good way. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I, I couldn't do it. And she she had even booked me into one of the like the taster sessions and she's like, no, she's not ready. And then... One day I went to her, I was like, okay, what's this body slims thing about? Like, and it really, it took all my pride, like to yeah. swallow my pride, swallow my ego and go, okay, is, what's this thing about? Yeah. And I went on the 20th of January, 2020. It used to be in person and now it's totally online post-COVID. And uh, I went in and I stood on the scales and I weighed 323.8 pounds. And I looked at that and I said, okay, that's information and I'm never going to weigh that again. I made that decision that day. And I was still full of my own, you know, I, I have a video of me driving to the thing and I was like, you know, they might not be able to deal with me because I'm a food addict and, you know, yeah. they've never met anybody like me and they probably never had it, you know, and like all the bravado and yeah. slowly it started to kind of melt away with, you know, I started to bring my barriers down. I started to be vulnerable and start to learn as one thing Jared always says, you know, we all think we're experts in weight loss and we kind of some, some ways are. He's like, how's that working out for you? How is that working out? Yeah. Like when you're going, okay, well, I'm 23 stones, so maybe I actually don't mm. know. And I used yeah. to be the biggest weight loss expert. I was, I could tell you how to do it. I know. I'd tell you how to do it, yeah. but I couldn't take the advice myself. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the end of the first 10-week block, then I lost three stone, so 42 pounds. Wow. Yeah. And then they've three a year, and I continued on between each one. And then 14 months later, I reached my goal weight, and I was 10 stone, three, three, four. And, um, so how much? You, you lost half. Four, half, yeah, half. Over half. Over half in 14 months. Yeah.
So you were calorie counting, Phenomenal. walking every single day for one hour? Every that? single day. Seven days? Seven days. There is, yeah, didn't so, take a day off. How were you counting calories back then? With my fitness pal. Oh, was my fitness pal going yeah. then as well? Oh. And my fitness pal and then the Body Slims app as well. Oh, they you can do it. Yeah, were so you, oh, sorry, were you always in like a deficit with the food or was it like maintaining or was always in a deficit I was in a deficit for 14 months the only times I let up and I was strict and but I I had people say it's very fast that I lost weight the weight loss intervention part of my weight loss journey was fast but the work leading up to it absolutely yeah was over a decade yeah you know the mental health work that I did to unravel you know the binge eating disorder to work on the food addiction to heal the trauma it all aligned. It all aligned it to all aligned. to lead me to that came. point to go. Okay, I'm ready to do this. It's phenomenal. And I and I literally said I said to my therapist, I think I'm ready to unzip this and step out. Yeah. And that's what I did. I unzipped it and allowed because I built this barrier between myself and the world. I literally created a barrier so that I couldn't let anybody in to protect me. And even though it was the source of a lot of shame, I used to think I had shame because I was fat, but actually I was fat because I had shame. I had shame from trauma. I had shame from, you know, being younger. And I coped with that shame and that negative narrator with food. That was my drug of choice. I was just going to ask as well, because when it comes to the weight loss surgery, was that ever an option for you? I think that it was obviously um, uh, on my mind throughout my 20s and my early 30s. And I think if this time it didn't work, I would have gone down that route. But I know that I was, I had changed. There was, this was different. This was a different time because I had worked on the mental aspect of why I was doing this. And I understood my why. You don't get to 23 stone by accident. You don't get to 23 stone by being lazy. There's something is going on. And instead of saying, what's wrong with me? The question I had to ask was why? Yeah, and you know the way you'd hear some people, you know, oh, it's simple, lose weight, just move more and eat less. When someone brings up a comment like that, I actually heard Piers Morgan say it last night in the show. And like, you can't just be like saying all that kind of stuff. We're not all built the same. When you hear people saying that, oh, like, as you said, like fat people, I hate even using the word fat, but like fat people are lazy. When you hear that kind of thing, like thrown around the place, what do you feel when people say that kind of stuff? I think that what we need a lot more in this world in every way is compassion. Yeah. It's compassion and understanding for for people instead of looking at somebody and shaming them, you know, helping them to understand maybe why yeah. they are that way. And actually, to be honest, it's nobody else's business. Yeah. But I hate that it simplifies weight loss. It simplifies that it didn't happen overnight that somebody got to, yeah. or that I got to 23 stone. Telling me to move more and eat less is grand. But how do I move more and eat less? You were telling us before we started this chat about a clinic mm. abroad who used your before and after pictures that you now share on social media. Like, can you tell us a small bit about that? Yeah, so I my handle is half of Carla and I share it to hopefully dismantle the, you know, the idea that you're not worth it and that, you know, that there is easy, quick ways to lose weight. One day, a couple of weeks ago, I got a message from a follower and she said, I'm, I don't follow you intently, but I do know, I'm pretty sure that you didn't have weight loss surgery. Not that that's my whole thing, but it's showing people that there is other ways. And she sent me a screenshot and it was a clinic in Turkey was using my image as a before and after to sell their gastric sleeve or one of the procedures. And they were claiming that you... I 
went over to Turkey, got their this, clinic into their clinic, and look at this amazing results that and I was fact, yeah, never done that. I had never done that. That's scandalous. Yeah, that's and me looking at the before and after picture because it is yeah. incredible picture. I'd be like, wow, I want to look like her. Like, I'm going to go over to this clinic. Look, I how, am, look at her results. Like, I have very few times in my life I've ever been that angry. Yeah. Because not only is that my image has been stolen thousands of times to use to sell pills or, you know, like to sell literal snake oil, you know, like, and people with a bit of common sense. You know, like, oh, I don't think that, you know, yeah. somebody said, I have a before and after side by side and it's every three stone down and they said I did it in three weeks. And it's like, well, you know, anyone with a bit of common sense knows that that's not real. Impossible, yeah. But this was so well thought out and advertised so well. It was exactly oh, yeah. like all their other uh, advertisements, all their other bits on their uh, Instagram. It looked real. And these are actual weight loss surgeons. Mm-hmm. This is a clinic who... Talk about how they have 20 years of experience with this. They took my image and the thought of anybody being cut open mm. because of seeing me and thinking that's what I did. And that's one thing. And then imagine that person being cut open by somebody who's so unethical that they would steal somebody's image and lie for marketing. I cannot, I just can't compute that, yeah. you know, there's, it's so against the Hippocratic Oath. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Somebody who is supposed to help people is willing to steal to make money. And I know, like, I know you guys have had uh, Lisa's family on yeah. the podcast before. And I was listening to it recently and I just, my heart broke because that could be the case for somebody else. There could be another Lisa who could have seen my image and gone, I want to do what Carla did. Yeah. And you know, might not be here now. And ran the clinic and I was like, oh my God, I just seen the before and afters of Carla yeah. and I'm coming out in three months time to get her procedure done, the sleeve or, and then to exactly. go out and to go on to the knife and like. And, and obviously that person has to resort to those to steal images for marketing. Mm. So obviously their 20 years of experience hasn't been so good. Exactly, because they don't have their own before and after pictures yeah. to show. Like, I am not against bariatric surgery and yeah. I think it has has been an amazing tool for people, but it's not the simple way. There is nothing simple about bariatric surgery and it's sold that it's the easy way out and there is nothing, it's no way the easy way out. It's like the C-section for moms, you know, where they they say, think it's the easy way out. Exactly, yeah, yeah. (laughs) There's nothing easy about a C-section, you know. So it's it's kind of has a, a similar, people think of it as this easy solution, but the work that you have to put in and it's literally changing your anatomy And I know a lot of people who've struggled both mentally and physically after bariatric surgery Mm. and many people who've put the weight back on again. Because again, if you don't fix the reason as to why you were overweight in the first place, you're going to put the weight back on again. And that's why we're told that weight loss doesn't work, that the rates are stacked against us. The statistics will show that you're more likely to put your weight back on again. And I do believe that that's because of the way people lose weight. It's the way of you know, white knuckling it through weight loss and not addressing like, I can sit here now and you could have every food that I love. I'm like, no, I'm actually grand because I'm not hungry. Yeah. And now to understand for the first time in my life what real hunger was because I never allow myself to be hungry before. Yeah. And and allowing myself to be uncomfortable. Something I had to learn to do was to be comfortable with discomfort because I used to just escape it and numb it out constantly with food. And to be allow yourself to be, you know, slight discomfort. Because mm-hmm. to lose weight, you need a little bit of discomfort. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be, it's not pain. It's just a little bit of discomfort and you're okay. 
you will survive it. You'll get through it. And when you do something that is proper weight loss, where you have a finite amount of time, not the one pound up, one pound down, one pound up, one pound down. When you do something and then you're done and you've learned about yourself and you're finished. And that's what I am now. Yeah. I, I got pregnant a month after I reached my goal weight. And actually they thought I couldn't have children. My egg reserve levels were so low and before I lost weight. And then miraculously, lo and behold, a month after wow. I reached it, I became pregnant. And I had a really bad um, postnatal depression episode afterwards. And I, you know, got through that. I lost the baby weight, you know, afterwards when I felt ready to do it. Yeah. Not with any of this bounce back, you know, yeah. let's weigh her. And when I was ready, I was like, OK, I'm done now. I want actually wanted to feel the way that I felt when I'd reached goal weight. It wasn't yeah. about looking. It was feeling really good because postnatal depression had taken such a toll on me. Yeah. I wanted to feel as good as I did when, you know, I was walking all the time and I was able to move and I was really happy in myself. And I've been living now in maintenance for 18 months. Is that as hard as losing the weight? Like maintaining it all now or? It's not as difficult as I expected it to be. Okay. And it's because of the way of changing those habits yeah. and changing that behaviour around food. And also, one thing I think that we think when we get to a goal weight is that that so my goal weight was 146.6 pounds and uh, which the reason is because it was 666 in kilos and I'm a rocker and I just yeah, yeah. Was really good. <laughs> you know, I was like it, why yeah. not yeah. yeah and that was that was t- give or take 13 stone and that number I might not see that number you know like from one day to the next it's a range. Mm. It's a range of weight. Like weight maintenance needs to be a range. And that's what we've been sold as weight loss. You know, the one pound up, one pound down. Yeah. So I have a five pound yeah. on either side where I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. You know, like if I get up to the, getting up towards the 11 stone, you know, like 154 pounds, I'd be like, oh yeah, okay, I might, you know, rein it in. in. Rein yeah, it in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. 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 I might not, you know, I might not have those extra treats at nighttime yeah. that I was having, you know, or like, you know, I want the extra walk or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Like I won't, I won't eat out for a couple of days, yeah. you know, like I'll just kind of rein it back in again, but it's not as difficult. It doesn't yes. have to be when you lose it by not white knuckling it. Yeah. And you, it's all food as well. Like it's not just like people think you have to exercise every single day. Weight loss starts in the kitchen really, doesn't it? 80% yeah. of weight loss is to do with what you put into your body and 20% is actually exercise. So I used to go to the gym all the time. Yeah. But you can't out, out exercise a bad diet. See, yeah, you're so right. And another thing, I know you don't share your like how many calories you eat yeah. a day. I don't either. I do calorie count, but I never share it on Instagram. And I think that's really important as well because really. your weight is different to my weight exactly. and your, you know, your lifestyle is completely different to mine. So I completely agree. And when you came in earlier, like the one thing I will not share is how many calories I yeah. eat. Yeah, and I get asked thousands of times, yeah. you know, a week can I have the exact diet that you ate? Yeah. You know, I want your exact meal plan. I want your exact calorie. And I'm like, that's not, Same. you know, like, it's not, that's not what this is about. Yeah. If you white knuckle it through my, uh, you know, meal plan, then as soon as you start eating again and you maintain, you're going to put it back on again. You are. Yeah. So I, I actually feel very uncomfortable when I see people sharing their calories. Yeah, me too. And especially there's one particular person and it's, she's always in a deficit. And I'm just looking, I'm like, oh my God, no, like, the, yeah. just, I just find it very Like, I have no problem with people different. sharing their breakfast. Like, I would yeah. all, oh, yeah. like, make yeah. an omelette. I'm like, this omelette was actually, we said 400 calories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really filled me up to lunchtime or whatever. Yeah, that's no different. No hassle. But I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm only eating 1,000 yeah, calories now a day this week because I really want to drop loads yeah, at the end of the week. Yeah, it's very or, yeah. dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. dangerous. And I think when you when you have an online presence as well, you have yeah. a, accountability, a, yeah, a responsibility, yeah. you know, not to... 
I think, you know, we, everyone has to take responsibility for themselves. And I think Absolutely, that's yeah. actually something I really learned in over the last number of years is that I was constantly looking externally yeah. where I was like, no, actually, I need to take accountability for this. I need to take responsibility and mm. I'm the only one who can do this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, And I remember like there was days there like that I would eat crap all day long or yeah. like a takeaway and just go to the cupboard for crisps or like a chocolate bar if I felt hungry. And I was just eating crap all day and I'd feel like shit and I'd yeah. feel sluggish. And then when I started calorie counting... I felt like I had a bit of a, a spring in my step, like, you know, yeah. mentally as well. Like, it's it, it all boils down to food, doesn't it? Yeah, the quality of food. The quality yeah. of food, food. Exactly. You know, Like, when I think about it, I kind of had the thought that this is this is my budget. Yeah. My calories are my budget and I can spend it on two chocolate bars. Yeah. You know, two giant chocolate bars. Absolutely, I will yeah. be starving in 20 minutes afterwards. Yeah. And I, you know, or I can find foods that are going to nourish me, give me energy and make me feel good. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying no. that I ate salad. I did eat salads every single day. Yeah. But I, when I talk about salad, I'm not talking about lettuce, mm. you yeah. know, and like, you know, a couple of, I had these huge, like really hearty, like I'm, I'm plant-based. So yeah. I don't, I don't eat meat or animal-based products. But I used to have like these salads that would be like the size of my head mm. and bigger. And by the end of it, I'm like, oh, I'm sick of chewing, you know, yeah. like, but they taste really good. And I think also when you start to remove crap out of your diet, yeah. your taste buds start to, Absolutely, you know, yeah. like, it, like, I don't know if you've ever smoked, but when you stop smoking yeah, and then I you can start that. to taste things a bit yeah. better, yeah. it's the same, yeah. you know, and you're like, oh, this actually tastes really good. And when you start to concentrate yeah. on what you're eating, as opposed to watching TV all the time, you know, yeah. or like mindlessly driving and eating, you know, or, and and now I wasn't perfect. And I did, I, the thing is, I never felt restricted. I met a woman the other day and she was asking me, you know, did you feel really restricted? I was honestly, I, after the first week, no. The first week was, you know, getting through the hurdle and, you know, the Friday night was really difficult for me because I always got a Chinese on yeah. Friday night and I was like, oh my God, how am I going to do now? You know, and I ended up, having a meltdown and crying and having a fit and you know and it, and that's that's part of it yeah. and you pick yourself up because you're an adult and you continue on and you just put one foot in front of the other but for the rest of the time the other 14 months I didn't feel restricted at all yeah. I felt nourished I felt healthy I felt and there were days I think a lot of people think you know, I wish I had the motivation to do that. I wish, you know, uh, like I, I'm not inspired enough. I'm not motivated to do it. And you become motivated by your own results. You do. That, and yeah. it's how you feel at the end of the day as well. Yeah. Like the days that I eat crap now or the takeaways, I'd feel like, and I'm in such bad form. Yeah. Well, yeah. the days that I actually get up and I actually, do you know what? I actually eat. Like, yeah. because like you, I'm a mom as well. And I was just eating the leftover of their cereals or the, the crust from their sandwich at lunchtime. Yeah. I wasn't even eating properly. And yeah. then... All of a sudden, I was like, no, no, dear, you're going to have to start eating here. So I'd make myself a breakfast, a really good lunch, a dinner and have a couple of snacks in between. Yeah. I felt so much better at the end yeah. of the day. And plus the weight was dropping off me because I was eating properly. You were eating properly. Uh, yeah. And I you weren't you weren't reaching for food then because I, you weren't... A quick fix. Yeah, a quick fix because yeah. we're tired. And we're tired. As moms, we're exhausted yeah. all the time. Like we never, I never sit down. Same. You know, like you have your job, like you have your, your responsibilities. But I, like my motto is show up for yourself. Yeah. If you think about when you go on the plane, they tell you put your oxygen mask on first. Yeah. If you can't do that, 
if you can't put yourself first, you're no use to everybody else. Mm. Absolutely not, no. And I felt I was getting cross with the kids yeah, because yeah. Yeah. I was cranky, and cranky. I was yeah. sluggish. I felt like crap because I was just after eating the chipper or the bag of crisps for my dinner because I didn't have time to make my own dinner. Yeah. I was telling myself. But then one day I woke up and I was like, no, no, Julia, you're going to have to make yourself a breakfast, lunch, dinner. And I was a different person. It's amazing things we tell ourselves yeah. as well, isn't it? The, the crap, the, yeah, the excuses we tell ourselves. Yes, or yeah. God love me, they were throwing tantrums all day so I'll get the chipper. Exactly. Night. Yeah, yeah. But then I'd wake up the next morning and I'd feel as bad as I did the night before because I was sluggish and I just felt like crap from yeah. all the grease and stuff like that. But it's like little things, and I think the more I ate, the more I was losing the weight. Which yeah, it's it's brilliant because yeah. it was so full. Yeah. But um, and I think social media as well. Like I'd be on TikTok there, and be like show me like a healthy lunch or a healthy what they're making now and like. It's unbelievable, like what you said with the salads there. And I'm making these like toasted wraps. Yeah. And like before years ago, you'd only think, oh, I'd have to eat just luscious now and spinach and like boring salads. Yeah. But now it's amazing what you could eat, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I remember I was searching for something for an article or something from a couple of years ago for a newspaper publication. Yeah. And I was scrolling through Google. And I came across uh, the the tattle page about me, and I was yeah. like, "Well, I'm not reading this." Oh, yeah. But yeah, God is right. But I remember the only thing I saw was, "I feel so sorry for all she eats is salads." And I was like, "I love salads." Yeah. I was like, yeah. "I was like, don't don't feel sorry yeah. for me." Yeah. Like yeah. you know, like I would choose to have a salad because yeah. I know. And as as I said, it's not lettuce. Yeah, you know, like yeah. it's packed full of yeah, calories and you know olive oil and you know you might look at a salad and might think oh that's only like 200 calories but it could actually be 700 sometimes you're nearly better off getting the grilled steak and yeah exactly yeah, there's actually yeah. less calories exactly. in that than your salad because it's the sauces obviously that would kill so, it yeah but all the different carbs the, and yeah. they're good things they're good for they're you good. Yeah. nourishing yeah. I feel yeah. good after eating them I don't exactly. feel crap I was so sick and even now like I'll know like sometimes I'm like driving home I'm like oh god I'll just run into McDonald's yeah. and get something and then I feel awful afterwards and why did I do this to but all the takeaways now like I bring the kids to McDonald's a lot but what I'd get there then is like a wrap they do the grilled chicken wrap thank God they're after bringing it in or you could get a salad there as well but like even go on to Just Eat you could get the likes of like Sambrero or so, yeah, yeah, like you could actually get really healthy takeaways now. Yeah. Like, I love the burrito bowls, and it's not yeah. like it's actually healthy enough compared to going down to your local chipper. Oh, yeah, so thank God for that as well. Yeah. And you just have to make the better choices when you go out. Yeah, it's and it, it's down to that like day by day. It is hard to continue down that path. Yeah. Weight loss isn't easy, no. it's simple, yeah. but it isn't easy. And you're you can be in a mental fight, yeah. But it is worth it. If, it is. If you yeah. want to lose weight, you know, like I kind of tried to be okay with being 23 stone. Yeah. You know, I tried to be a plus size model. I tried to, you yeah, know, like yeah. I tried to do these yeah. things. I just, I wasn't happy. And I realized it's because it wasn't mine. I didn't, yeah. I didn't own this body. Yeah. And, you know, the, it is worth it because the life afterwards is so free. Like I, when I walked in here now, I'm sitting here, I'm, like a few minutes ago, I, I was looking at you and I realised you're in a, um, a chair with arms. And before me, if I walked into this room and I saw the chair with arms, I would yeah. have panicked. Oh, of course, yeah. Because I wouldn't have fit. Yeah. I sat in board meetings perched oh. on my hip, on one ass cheek, because of 
I didn't fit into chairs. So I don't have to think about that anymore. Yeah. Or flying. Like fly. Oh, yeah. I, I have to ask for the plane, the, the seatbelt seat extender. I actually was sitting next to recently two girls who needed the um, seatbelt extenders. Yeah. Yeah. And for me sitting next to them, I could feel their, probably their embarrassment. Yeah. But I made sure to make them feel like, do not be embarrassed in front of me or anything like that. Yeah. You know, I was chatting away with them. But I could feel their anxiety even sitting next to me. They were so embarrassed asking for the seatbelt extender yeah. and everything. And I just, I could feel it off them. So I just made sure to... It's, it's really great of you because you know I, I, I mean? it's... It's I awful having to ask oh, for that. And, but I felt it and I just, I wanted to start chatting so much to her, you know what yeah. I mean? Just to bring up conversation to make like, you know, I'm not thinking. Because like, she's probably thinking that I'm like, oh my God, look this here now. Oh, the amount of flights I took oh. that I didn't ask for it and I didn't tie the seatbelt. Oh my God. I just, you know, because my heart. Like I, or, you know, like I missed out on so many opportunities because I didn't allow myself to take up the space that I did. Yeah. I didn't yeah. want to take up that space. I, like I didn't go to, you know, school trip in Paris because I didn't want to get on a plane and not be sure if yeah. I could fit. Yeah. I didn't do canoeing in school. You know, like there are so many things that I missed out on, you know, because of my weight and I wouldn't allow myself to do that. And like thinking even now about going, you know, like I was nominated for... um a Businesswoman of the Year awards for the work that I did with the charity. And the only thing I could think of was, what the hell am I going to wear? Yeah. yeah. And will I, if I got it, heaven forbid that I actually got the award, would I be able to squeeze through the seats to get up to the stage? Which route yeah. would I have to take in yeah. the room? And I would have, all of that stuff would be planned out. Yeah. That constant worry about those situations and then that's only feeding into that narrator. Yeah, it'd be exhausted. It's so exhausting. And one of the final things before I finish up, I suppose you mentioned the freedom. Do you feel really free now? Like, yeah. do you know what the... Freedom is Not the, having to think about this and that. It's, it's n- not having to... So being able to say for the first time in my whole life, as far back as I can remember, that I don't need to lose weight. That not having that monkey on my back... And then not having to worry about constantly every single thing that I do, everything that I do, every place that I go, everywhere I go, if I go into a restaurant, into a booth, if I go into a pub and there's only high stools and I can't sit on them, you know, any of that. It takes up so much real estate in your mind. Now it's January and yeah. everyone is going to be on this weight loss journey. What would your message be to them like today? There'll be a couple of things that I would say to people. The first thing is to examine your why why are you doing this? Who are you doing this for? If you're doing it for somebody else, if you're doing it because of an event, if you're doing it for any other reason than except for yourself, you need to check that. And then the other thing I'd say is that you're worth it. It's not easy, but it is simple. Just keep going. And that when the motivation wanes, it's the consistency and the routine that will pick it up for you. Just keep doing the same thing. It's not sexy. It's not, you know, it's don't change it up. Just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, day in day. And eventually the results will come and you will be motivated by your own results. And that will stir you for the next part and the next push. But don't give up. Love that. Amazing. And if anyone wants to follow, what's your name? Half of Carla. Half of Carla. Carla on Instagram and YouTube. It's Carla with a C. Carla, it's absolute pleasure. Thank you. It really was. We were gripped, weren't we, Jewel? Jeepers. An eye opener. An eye opener, Carla. Thank you <laughs> yeah, so much. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks so much. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.